Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a toxic comedian talks to a sexologist. I usually say relationship therapist. You just we'll mix with, it up every week. Now we'll you're toxic. Sexologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Let's toxic. normalize toxic men. Can we get like a little soundtrack on here and start with the Britney Spears toxic song and then... Yes, every time I say something problematic, yes, we start playing Britney I Spears toxic. I love that. So the whole podcast, <laughs> yeah, I'll be like everything you say, just pushing the button. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where uh, we talk from, well, from my male experience. I won't say from a male experience anymore because obviously there's a lot of variety between men. Uh, but from my male experience and or a Eliza's common female male experience. male experience, and we maybe extrapolate that there could be some consistency consistencies among, I guess, the average man and woman. Uh, but do not take everything personally that we say here. Don't get triggered. And we're not talking about every single person. We're talking about averages and trends. Um, today, we're going to answer a subscriber question. Let's just get in. You know what? Let's just do it. Yeah, I Let's love get it. Into it. Last week our intro was like 35 minutes and like well, this week we're like, all right, 10 seconds in, let's go. I like it. It balances yeah. out over yeah. time. bit of variety. Sometimes there's... Sometimes you're toxic. Sometimes you're not a toxic comedian. <laughs> sometimes it's 35 <laughs> minutes. Sometimes it's 10 seconds. Sounds like me as well. Okay. <laughs> Boom. Comedian. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, okay. This comes from... Okay, they want to be anonymous. That so was close. We will call them F. Can we call <laughs> him said, Fred? He said, please just call me F or whatever is easiest for you. Is Fred? Fred. Okay, you want to be Fred? Okay. So Fred says, Hi Eliza and Neil. For the sake of uh, yep, for the sake of my anonymity, please don't use my name in the podcast. Oh, lucky there. Uh, please just I mean we can edit. That is there is such a thing as editing. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a good opening. Okay, please just call me F or whatever is easiest for you. I have a weird one for you. When I was younger, I used to fall in love with the people I dated in a very extreme way. I loved my girlfriends utterly and was completely devoted right from the get-go, loving every mannerism and the smallest habits made me fall head over heels every day. For my first relationship, this worked really well and we stayed together for three years before she had to move away and we couldn't make long distance work. For my second relationship, I was overbearing and it fell apart, which devastated me. Later, when my extreme moods caused danger to my life, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was medicated with antipsychotics to help make my life manageable. Medication is life-changing and allowed me to live a normal life, but I have no intention to ever stop taking them unless my doctors suggest otherwise. But since the medication takes away the extremes of my emotions... I no longer feel the unfettered and complete love that I used to feel. I still feel what I imagine is how the average person feels love, but it just isn't on the level that I felt. So my question is, if my love level is limited to 30%, am I really loving? Is love binary? Uh, open bracket, either you love someone or you don't, close bracket. And should I date people even if I know I will never love them the way I otherwise could? Freddie. That's a lot, That's but a, a lot good there. one. A good one. And first of all, props to you that you went and got all the help you needed and you got your medication, you got a diagnosis. That's pretty great. So Absolutely. Good on you. Where to unpack that one though? <laughs> this is definitely much more in your field of expertise. I feel so. like we should start with like what actually is obsessive love and what is is obsessive yeah. love disorder even a thing? 
Yes. <laughs> really? It is. Obsessive it, love disorder. It's kind of like one of those... Um, like a stalker. No. That's... um. There's another one called... Oh, it's eroto, erotomania or something like that. It okay. starts with eroto and that is when you have like... Um, a psychiatric disorder where you truly believe that you and a person have a your relationship is like it's destiny you're meant to be together so that's when people believe in um, twin flames and things like that and there's all these signs like how to spot your twin flame Um, and is that similar to a soulmate it's like a twin flame is soulmate times a thousand where it's like they may not necessarily be a romantic partner but you're meant to be romantic may not be in this life but in your next life but there's always some sort of resistance and battle and then a lesson of this huge lesson you learn from each other Hmm. so then people will find someone and be like that girl that's my twin flame and then obsess over her or stalk her or sometimes be violent and then when she's resisting they're like well this is one of the signs of twin flames so it further kind of goes into it or people with this disorder can also like stalk celebrities and Mm. things like that but obsessive love disorder is one of those diagnoses that's kind of like um how we say people are a psychopath but it's not an actual diagnosis that is in the the DSM, uh, um, which is basically like the big book of mental diagnoses that we can give. Um, so it is a thing and it's kind of like, it's not like codependent where you're like, well, she says, um, I'm going out and I'm doing this. And then she might cheat on you and you're like, oh, well, I'm, um, you're, I'm so sorry. Like I must've been lacking in this way. I must've been doing this. Let me fix this. Like this is a codependent stereotype. Mm. But if you have obsessive love disorder, you are so like addicted to that person. You want to be around them all the time. You crave them. You don't care about socializing. You don't care about your friends. You don't care about seeing your family. You just want to be with this person. Like Every moment of your day is basically waiting. Can you be with them? And if not, when are they going to message you back or talk to you? And then when you are with them, it's like such a relief and so euphoric as well. However, if they go away, like in that situation where the girl has done something, a codependent person might say like, um, or even if if she hasn't done anything, someone with obsessive love disorder may hyperfixate or exaggerate catastrophize a problem like a co-worker that's male saying hi to her and he might then become like violent aggressive and be like how dare you look at him or respond uh-huh. to him so it, it can not always but it does often go very hand in hand with like a very intense level of jealousy and rage okay um in a nutshell you put someone so high on a pedestal that anytime they kind of don't fulfill that angel image that you have, that worship, then you are extremely like unmanageable with your within your emotions. <laughs> so codependency, it's more about the way they perceive you and that affects your self-worth. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas, oh, excuse me, uh, obsessive love disorder yeah. is you just need them. And it's it's to an extremely unhealthy yeah. degree, and yeah. any any sign of them potentially having second thoughts or leaving the relationship would just tip them destroy over. you. Yeah, which would probably happen in a codependent situation yeah, as well. Similar. But it's not. 
But one of the biggest kind of um, differentiating factors is also how how you've come to have this disorder. So you can have you can be codependent and have no other kind of issue, right? Or or yeah. diagnoses or problem or anything like that. Um, however, if you have obsessive love disorder, that is usually a symptom of another sign. So in Fred's case, um, it's a symptom of his bipolar, mm. um, which is very common. It can also be a symptom of schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, attachment issues. And most commonly, it's a symptom of, um, something that we call disinhibited social engagement disorder or, or alternatively, um, reactive attachment disorder where basically a parent or a caregiver is absent for a long amount of times so it can be trauma abuse and we see these two things and obsessive love disorder happens so often with children in foster care um, when you know they've got carers coming in and out or they're changing homes and things like that and they either go one way so the disinhibited social engagement disorder would be which we see probably for half our kids they will be like anytime a man or a person or whatever walks by, this little girl, she'll be four or five, she'll be like, hi, 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 come talk to me. Do you want to play with me? Like, can I have a cuddle just to strangers? Yeah. Um, they'll get into cars with people. They'll just trust everyone. They want to be with someone. And then as an adult, they so desperately are craving attention. They're craving attachment. They're craving like love and they want to hold on to it. They'll take what they can get. Um, whereas inhibited, social engagement disorder is like, do not look at me, do not talk to me, you can't build relationships. So in both ways, um, these two disorders... The trauma responses, right? They're trauma responses and it's the way that it kind of um, grows is from a child not being able to connect appropriately with mm. other people. With a lot of these things, is, is it the sort of thing where everyone has some extent of something like jealousy or attachment or maybe have components of that inhibited mm. social, what was it again, sorry, inhibited? Disinhibited. Disinhibited. Social engagement. Social engagement. Disorder. Disorder <laughs> where you know, maybe they've been hurt in the past so they think yeah. it's, it's just better. It's, it might, I'll keep my walls up, yeah. which will protect me from getting hurt again. So at what point does this become a disorder? Well, it becomes a disorder when it's like you cannot have a functional relationship essentially. So mm. like... Um, like Fred said, when he was young, he had a relationship that lasted for three years and it worked really well. And I wouldn't be surprised that if that had continued more into like a later adult stage, it probably would have ended. But when you're young and youthful, and I was certainly very much like probably like Fred's girlfriend when I was younger and that I did love a man or a boy or whatever that was obsessed with me to that level. It felt good. You know, it, it makes you feel secure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I did that your ego kind yeah. of thing. But then when you are older, like our age now, when you have more healthy attachment issues or more health, more healthy boundaries and things like that, you, you're you more likely to realize this isn't like a, a safe or healthy relationship. And that's kind of what it looks like has happened in his second relationship that's ended and it's had a huge impact on Fred where what was his reasoning for it ending like he was too overbearing or too jealous or something couldn't make say? long distance work oh sorry for my second relationship I was overbearing and it yeah. fell apart yeah yeah that's so, common for a lot of relationships where the man will be too intense yeah but it's this then... is like an, a whole other level of um intensity and mm. I, the difference is is that you can't have obsessive love on its own it has to be 
comorbid with an actual underlying diagnosis, like in Fred's case, bipolar. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it is a um, it's a very tricky one to kind of treat because, well, in Fred's case, it's, it looks like it's basically treated. He's just dealing with the aftermath of the difference in his relationships. But I guess if you have this, the way that you treat it is going to depend entirely on what the underlying disorder or or um, concern that you or diagnosis that you have mm. and sometimes it's as simple as you have depression and your self-esteem is so at an all-time low that you heavily rely on that other person to be so full of love and you're so attached to them because they build your esteem and you're addicted to that um, so we know that in these types of relationships and we've talked a lot about you know unhealthy or abusive not to say that that was Fred in any of his previous relationships. We know that the hormonal cycle that happens with abuse is so mm. intense that it's essentially the same as taking um, like a very heavy drug or even just cocaine, like the peak and the way that your brain lights up after abuse when you've kind of resolved it is the same as taking drugs and that those dopamine and hits and lows become addictive and we become so normalizing used to that yeah well uh he's asked the question is love binary so do you love someone or you either you love someone or you don't and if his love level is limited to 30 percent, is he really loving mm. uh should i date people if i know i will never love them the way i otherwise could mm. i think what's maybe happened is in this first relationship that lasted three years where it, he had that extremely intense love uh, that obviously gives you, as you just say, mm. in, incredible highs and that may not be as evident in, a more re in more recent relationships, especially with the medication that he's now taking. Mm -hmm. And he's wondering, why well, am I really loving this person if I'm not having that intense emotional high? But yeah. as you also say, I mean, this is a very unique situation here, but mm. generally as you get older, you tend to have less of that fairy tale style yeah. intense relationship. Although there are definitely people yeah. I know in my life that still have that. But uh, I don't know. I don't think if I were to give a very simple answer, no, I think you can definitely still date. And just because love looked a certain way to you when you were younger before your diagnosis, it doesn't mean it's not love if mm. if you're now not feeling the intensity of those emotions. So For sure. Yeah, I think And also seeing it as this thirty as 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 sort of this mm. quantifying that love, I don't think you need to do that. I think it's just a healthier love, if anything. Yeah, it's going to take an adjustment time and that adjustment period may be literally years and years. And it's important to recognize and understand for Fred that his it's not his medication that is numbing him or, or stopping him from loving. It's that his medication has brought him to the baseline that he should be at, that a, that a typical person may be at. Okay. Um, so it's not that it's now at yeah. 30%. It's yeah. now at 100% previously. It was at 300%. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that those highs that Fred has kind of – and one of the – well, basically one of the symptoms of obsessive love disorder, which it sounds like he's had, 
whether or not that's not a diagnosis. So it's not something you may have even come across. But one of the symptoms of this is that you have a much higher tendency to focus or hyperfixate on the positive when you when you finish a relationship or end a relationship or or even just subconsciously. So obviously when things go downhill or when you're upset, you turn, you switch personalities like this, you can become extremely aggressive and volatile. You may fixate on that for weeks. However, you may, when, you, when you're in that period of being in a high, that's what you're going to remember. That feeling is going to be so stored deep within you. So when you go into a normal mm. and safe and what healthy relationship, that high is never, never, ever going to reach that high because the climb up, basically, if you're healthy and your baseline is here in the middle to reach a high, you're taking one step up. But when you're in an unhealthy relationship, you meet the absolute bottom, bottom of the depths of kind of unhealthiness and toxicness and things like that. So to get to that high, you're climbing up so much. So the increase in your hormones is so drastic and that's never going to happen. You're never going to jump that far when you're in a healthy relationship. So that takes something to get used to. And like Fred, I've experienced that myself coming out of a relationship with someone who was a bit like you used to be um, and then going into a healthy relationship and there was no drama or nothing happening and I was a bit like oh okay like cool (laughs) is this it kind of thing and then wondering should I stay am I just forcing myself to love someone I don't truly love like what is happening here Um, and then, you know, my mom kept telling me, she was like, look, you might not ever have that insane obsession kind of chemistry with someone, but just settle down with a good man. And I ended up staying in this relationship with someone for a few years who, who was a really good person, but I didn't love to that level. Um, and coming into another relationship, which is healthy, I realized that maybe I wasn't actually in love with that person I wanted to be. So it is a really hard thing to differentiate is this just because I'm used to the highs and the dramas or is, do I really just not love this person? Um, so you kind of have to go through that yourself and figure that out um, with, I would totally suggest therapy for everyone, especially something that is this intense and there's so many kind of variable factors here, but just having an understanding that your love may not ever reach those kind of levels like they used to be, but what they used to be wasn't in fact love. It was in, insane infatuation, obsession and rushes of hormones that feel good. So you've interpreted that as love. But really what love is, is just wanting to be around someone, um, appreciating them for who they are, where they're at and knowing where you're at as well. Wanting to spend time with them, having similar values or things like that. But the definition of love is never going to be the same for everyone. So it's mm. it's hard to navigate. Yeah, and and I think the priority should definitely be staying on your meds and um, yeah, being in control of the bipolar disorder, which he's which he's definitely doing. Yes, yes, he's yeah. definitely doing. But I, 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 he's not hinting at it. But I wouldn't go off the meds to experience the love again. Yeah, exactly. Be far too many other negative consequences for exactly. doing something like that. It's like when you do an experience on drugs, and like 
I'll be honest, I haven't done drugs, so <laughs> I don't actually know. But if you, you know how some people say you like. Marijuana? No, I have the most addictive personality ever. So literally anything I think, I know that if I smoke wow. weed, I know myself, I would just be like, I'm going to do this. This is going to so be my new thing. <laughs> don't drink because you're allergic to alcohol, aren't you? Yeah. And so you don't. Don't drink. Don't, I don't do anything. Nothing. You but, just put crystals in your bath. <laughs> and in my bra. But <laughs> anyway, that's irrelevant. What if, it, what, if, what if it rains and then they get wet? And, and then, then the melancholy. Oh, yes. There's a whole lot of planning that goes into wearing crystals in the bra, especially when you forget about it and you have like this indent in your tit for Damn. like hours. Crystals in the bra. Anyway, wow. sorry, Fred, about that. <laughs> Side. You, just as a quick tangent. Um there was a segment on Hack that Jordan made a whole video mocking oh, no. where they were talking about uh, crystal sex toys. Oh, yeah. And he was just saying, yeah, this is exactly what Hack has become. It's such a parody of itself. Um, yeah. Have you ever have, used no. a crystal sex toy? I haven't gone that far. However, okay. I do have one by accident because my boyfriend – was we were in Byron and he bought me horses from Byron. <laughs> beautiful crystal, um, bless him, not knowing that it's actually a yoni egg, which is essentially it looks like um, it's the shape of like a teardrop, <laughs> but it's like three D, and um, it's like a crystal that you're supposed to insert inside you, and then you kind of like push. I don't know, like that to me is really scary, just putting that whole thing inside you, like when you can't pull it out. And I don't know if you just use your muscles to get it out. I don't know. Damn. Um, but it's called a yoni egg. So he bought me that not knowing it's supposed to go inside you. Um, but anyway, I have it at my – I put it on my desk at work. <laughs> just <laughs> the crystal's still nice. But, no, I haven't gone that far yet. <laughs> Who knows? There you go. Where the, where the winter will take me. Love really is a drug, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. Yes. It really is. It's the same chemical hit. Yes. It, it literally is the same chemical hit. Yeah. So maybe there's a something. Yeah, that was the point I was trying to get about... at is that if you're doing an activity that you used to do on drugs, like you know how people say sex when you're high is tenfold, like may, way more better good. and connective, whatever, and then you have sex without it next and you're a bit like, oh, like, hmm. Okay, um, that's kind of how, Fred, your situation is going to be for a while. Like um, like I have a couple who – I have a couple. My friends – You own a couple. <laughs> they're in my basement. Uh, no, my the, friends who are a married couple <laughs> uh, were trying to spice things up in their marriage. And so they started watching porn together mm. and they loved it. They were getting so into it so they started doing it all the time and then – when, um, as in watching porn and having sex, I think at the same time or after, straight afterwards, I'm not sure the mm -hmm. method. And then when they decided, oh, we were actually doing this a few times a week, we should stop. Like then they kind of went on the anti-porn train or something. I don't know. But basically they decided to stop it and then sex afterwards, even though they had been doing it amazingly for the five years prior, since doing that, and they had all these crazy dopamine rushes, as we know that porn has the same impact on your brain as drugs do, yada, yada, yada. They couldn't have sex. They just couldn't do it for like months and months and months. It just did not work. Months? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Was it that he couldn't get hard or also she just couldn't get turned on? Or? It was like they were both, they were doing it, 
but it was n- it, it oh, almost okay. felt awkward. Like it was like this oh, is like disconnected, man, so like kind of. Are they still together? Yeah, they've got the most beautiful relationship ever. Like they they are couple goals. Are they back to? Yeah. Banging? Yeah. Okay. So out of, you know, the however many years that they've been together, like to have like a period of eight months or whatever of weird and kind of awkward sex that happened from that. But, you know, it's um, it's just one of those things that Good on them. when you kind of get yourself into a something like that lights up your brain, the second you stop doing it, it feels unfulfilling, like all over Everything is a drug, really. Everything, if, if that's the definition, if it's just yeah. a chemical hit in your brain, it's we are hardwired to search out those chemical yes. hits because yes. uh, there's a huge uh, flood of, I think it's serotonin after sex. Mm. So yeah. we seek that out and our body thinks, if, if we've just watched porn and yes. checked off, we, we think we've, you know, our body thinks that we've passed on our genes and done this exactly. evolutionary job. It's like when I can we have relax it. now. Yeah. We can bond. I've, I've done my job. And it's how, like, you know, we crave junk food because we needed a sweet tooth so that we would be inclined to try fruit and yeah. get nutrients from there. So, so, so it's very not interesting. about avoiding the, uh, some chemical peaks and troughs. It's about finding Retraining. healthy <laughs> ways to get those peaks and troughs. So something like meditation can also mm. give you a boost of serotonin yeah and sometimes even oxytocin i think yeah so that's a much healthier way if you pet yeah. a cat it gives you oxytocin <laughs> True. dark chocolate gives you oxytocin but the thing is though is we have to be careful giving that kind of advice to someone like fred whose highs may have been so high that he's like well cho- dark chocolate's not going to do it i need to if i'm going to make this <laughs> true, like yeah. high i'm going to have to jump out of a plane i'm going to have to do like really really extreme things so someone like fred may have to kind of retrain his baseline of what his new high is going to be oh i've just had a little caffeine hit kind of thing rather than i'm ready to like let's get a rally car and do something wild you gotta wean yourself off that yeah the same way you can't go from being an ice addict to just not doing any drugs at all you go off you go on um yeah what is it methadone yes yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) so you got to find your methadone of love of But don't call her that. <laughs> don't refer to her or that, or even tell her that. Um, but it is, it is certainly something that Fred, you will come out of and get you get used to like your new way of loving. And like the Buddhists say that love is never about fire. It's about you know, it's about water. It's feeling that it's calm, calm mm. serenity, peace, and just feeling so at ease with someone. And that is where love is at. Love isn't about this like kind of, oh my God, like take me now and then smack me on the face and spit in my mouth or like all these wild things. I went on a bit of a weird tangent there. but That's very specific. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but sometimes it's hard to avoid the the feeling of a relationship being lackluster or yeah missing something when it's so calm i mean i remember the um girl I was dating last year that as everyone knows ended really badly uh we didn't fight for months there was nothing it was so perfect and then i remember her saying something like i almost feel it feels weird that we haven't it would also it would give me a bit more confidence if we have had one or two fights I thought, well, why? That's You're like, just... listen here, you little bitch. And she's like, wait, what? Like, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> because I think, for, do, do you think for some people when you, you you have a fight, it shows a bit of passion and it shows that the other person does care? I used to think that a lot. 
I used to definitely yeah. be into that. And sometimes I would be like attracted to someone when they were almost angry at me. Um, like my boyfriend and I have been together for a year and we've never had a fight, like literally a not year. once. Yeah. And we've basically never had a disagreement ne- either. Okay. So nothing. But that being said, like it's definitely Crazy. probably one of the most like passionate relationships I've been in. We've, we're very much, it's obviously honeymoon phase still, but we're very like strongly passionate about each other. So it's not this kind of like mm. dull, um, ugh, like whatever. What do you think about uh, the premise that if it starts off incredibly well like that, and then I'm sure sometime there might be a rough patch or yeah. you will fight eventually. Yeah. Then it might be actually harder to overcome because mm-hmm. you were so accustomed to this That's pretty right. much perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a bit different. I think it's somewhat tangential, but uh, they, they, they talk about how arranged marriages actually show more love over a longer period of time because they build on that love. They keep Mm. building up towards loving each Mm. other. Whereas for what I guess Indians would call love marriage, you start off in this immense honeymoon period and it's uh, exciting and your hormones are peaking and then that goes down and you have to keep working on it. Whereas with an arranged marriage, you have the same values and your parents have Mm -hmm. hopefully matched you with someone. Yeah that's somewhat compatible with you. So you have that grounding, you have that foundation. Mm-hmm. And as you experience life together, as you, I don't know, buy a property and then have kids and raise those kids, those experiences are what increases the bond and increases the unconditional love. This is like a really excellent example though of how we can actually change and choose how to love and how to be loved. So what sets those people aside from us isn't necessarily like like your your Indian heritage isn't mm. going to make you automatically have relationships that grow in love over time. Oh, no, 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 I wasn't you, saying. Yeah, no, no I'm making a an point. Arranged yeah, marriage. But if those arranged marriages that do succeed over time isn't because you know you're Indian and it's cultural, or whatever. It's because these people have the value instilled in them and they've learned sure. the value that our yeah. relationship is going to grow over time this is going to be something that develops you know these expectations are kind of met more and more throughout time whereas we in westernized cultures have this whole like if there aren't sparks flying if you don't have butterflies if you don't have fireworks like if he's not, you know, outside in the rain with a boombox or whatever, then it's not love. Like my friend's currently single and dating and she was like the most beautiful guy that she thought and she was like, I'm so happy being around him, but we just didn't have butterflies. Like I didn't have the butterflies kind of thing. Mm. And I was like, girl, butterflies is anxiety. Like it feels good because it's mixed in with like happy things, but butterflies is anxiety. Like I'm, I'm a very non-anxious person. I've never had butterflies in my entire life since I was like, eight butterflies is you subconsciously finding familiar uh aspects of this romantic partner with your same sex parent Uh, don't you think (laughs) no because the love style is where you have the same relationship with your same sex parent yeah but that doesn't mean if you're that's not no and no yeah that's what romantic love is yes but not butterflies like in itself, like you can't be like, okay, 
Some, like, for example, I, I may not have had butterflies with Adrian, but there's a lot of qualities that he has. Oh, you're just talking about butterflies of, in general. Yeah, so like, like if you're, specific okay, butterflies. Okay, so if you're having a, if a, okay, yeah. a job interview and you get butterflies. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not, okay, that's not yeah. you projecting your uh, same-sex parent <laughs> relationship there. there. Yeah, um, but but it's a good point to raise about <laughs> like the arranged marriages because it means that we can like our you know our brains are plastic and there's neuroplasticity and things like that so we can retrain our brains in the way that we learn to love and the way that we what we value and things like that mm. so fred's going to have to train himself from valuing this kind of like intensity hot heavy red love to instead valuing like a calm beautiful pink warmth like loving relationship kind of i like to associate colors okay <laughs> kind of thing so it's just it's a tricky thing, but you know, like what you're you were saying about um, when but, you haven't had a fight, and mm. the impact of that is a hundred percent because I know that you know because um, I haven't had a fight with Adrian that I probably have him slightly on a pedestal because I'm like, wow, like we get along so well, we've never had an argument, we never have a fight, like everything is so aligned. So when the point comes, which of course it will, that we do have a fight. Because I've put him on a pedestal subconsciously, even though I recognize that, it's still going to hurt me probably initially a little bit more when he's not the perfect person because no one's perfect. But that's one of the the downsides of when you have relationships that you don't have the arguments or, or downsides of when you know you're putting someone on a pedestal is that when they mm. don't meet your expectation or the standard, then it falls down much faster. Yeah, that's where the anxious or avoidant yeah. aspects oh, could come out. Shorty. You're a very healthy, attached person. So yeah. if you have a fight, I don't think you're going to run away from him. No. Nor will no. I think you uh, internalize a lack of self-worth and think, oh, this person's going to abandon me. Yes, but so. but Adrian's a little bit more on, on the anger. He's like secure, but I think he's got some slight like of the anxious attachment tendency. So he might think, think of a fight and be like this means something really like bad like this means that yeah and because he's more of that's, like a that's me yeah yeah he, but he would he <laughs> would blame himself yeah as well. he'd be like i should have done this i should this is my bad like blah 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 like that's yeah. how he would interpret a fight whereas i would be like well this is normal part of relationships this is good now we're going to figure out the way forward and now we know something we didn't know before kind yeah. of but do it in person don't do it over yes I, well you do say sometimes you can really articulate exactly what you want to say yeah. in a message. The only qualm I have with that is when you're face-to-face -face with someone, especially if you may be, uh, there may be some tension and conflict mm -hmm. going on in, in the relationship, I'm much more on the train of do everything face-to-face. -face. Sit down yeah. with the person, talk to them, see their face, see them respond. If you have something negative you want to say to them, you know, it's very different if you say that over a message and then you get oh, into an sure. insult match. And if you do that in person, at least then you'll see the other person and it won't be as intense. And I don't think that's just with relationships. If you just social media in general has made us all hate each other because we're not actually seeing the person face to face yeah. that we're trolling, that we're criticizing, that we're insulting. So it's mm -hmm. very easy to say all these really horrendous mean remarks. Having said that, you're also correct in saying you can articulate exactly what you want to say when it comes to yeah, a message. Yeah, and it's more comfortable to be more, like, vulnerable. Like, I know that if Adrian is definitely the type of person that if we had ever had a fight, he'd probably text me 
sweet things all throughout the day, reflect his reflections on it kind of thing or whatever. Because I know that if he was doing it in person, if he said something like, um, I was angry because you are filthy and you left the thing. And then I had made the slightest like facial expression, like eye roll or something that I've done without noticing. He may then shut down being like, okay, this I've said, so I've gone too far or something like that. Whereas if it was through text, he would probably get everything out that he needs to say and that it could be resolved quicker and faster because he's not holding on to resentment, which I don't know because this is hypothetical. These situations yeah. haven't yet happened. It's but a balancing act, isn't yeah, it? So I am mm. definitely someone that can communicate more in person. However, some people just, they, they can't verbalize on the spot. They need the time to think about what it is that they actually want to communicate. It's a skill to develop. Yeah. I remember in earlier relationships, I would plan out exactly what I wanted to say. And yeah. then in the heat of the moment, it came out in this bumbling mess. Yeah. yeah. I said something dumb. Uh, when we are talking about really serious fights and points of conflict, you're never going to say exactly what you want to say if you're in that heated moment. Emotions are going to be at yeah. play. and Or at least your tone. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're saying the right things, the way you say it, it's going to, that's harder to kind yeah. of control. So it's it's there are advantages and disadvantages to both situations. I guess I'm just talking from very recent experience, and uh, you know, I got some pretty harsh messages that I don't think she would have said to me if we were face to face. And I wonder if you know that's just a way for some people to to hide behind some really horrible, mean things they're saying. Yeah. By not having to face that person and seeing the hurt that it may cause them. Definitely. That's the down that's a huge downside of it. People can be so brutal, even to their loved ones, if it's via text, because they're like, I'm just gonna text this and then I'm gonna quickly put my phone down and regulate myself rather than deal with the consequences of seeing them cry in front of you or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's actually in many ways kind of weak. Yeah. If you're gonna say something mean, have the guts <laughs> to say it to their face. No, really. Just don't say anything mean. <laughs> Just well, do it in mean interpretive in, dance. Yeah. <laughs> Express yourself through dance. Critical. So yeah. we all do have to say critical things to yeah. people. Uh, yeah. that not just our partner, it's people we work with. You should try and do it face to face. Um I haven't always, you know, been been true to that, but it's also difficult if if someone has said something like I just don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. Uh, again, not just a romantic partner, someone you're working with might be very busy and stressed and that you can't actually find a time to sit down with yeah. them. You know, I remember I, I had to break up with a manager, which I swear is still the hardest breakup I've ever had to do, okay? <laughs> because when you break up with a romantic partner, you say we're not compatible with each other. You're a wonderful person, but we want different things. With a manager, no, you're just not doing a good job. There's no yeah, way. So there's no way to yeah. sugarcoat it. There's no way to make it seem like it's yeah. incompatibility. You literally have to sit the person down and say you're not good enough. Yeah. So uh, this guy has had a tumultuous uh, history in the entertainment business, to say the least. And a lot of people will just leave him. <laughs> He's had a lot of clients leave him, and. He hasn't self-reflected, to be fair. He hasn't sort of sat down and said, well, am I doing things ineffectively? He he just tends to blame the artists and, and say, well, comedians are selfish and the industry doesn't like me and 
he he has somewhat of a victim complex now. I remember uh, sitting down with him, and it was I was terrified. I uh, it was really I've broken up with a girl before, but this was just. Yeah. I had a sick feeling in my stomach the whole drive to the office Aww. and someone, one of his big clients had just left him. And actually that was kind of the reason I wanted to, to leave. It, was, it felt like everyone was jumping ship. And I thought, well, if that guy's leaving, I, he didn't have any big um, yeah. comedians after that. And I sat down and he was talking about all the plans he had for my oh, shows next year. <laughs> I've even got a better one after this, but uh I just also, in a very similar fashion, I had thought about exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah. And when it came out, I just bumbled it out. I couldn't hold eye contact very well. I was, my hands were, uh, I was anxious and clammy. And I just said, look, um, I've thought about it and I think I want a bit of a change. And it was a bit confusing because I still wanted him to manage my live shows, but my media management, I was looking to someone else. And I said, mm. look, I made this decision. I've already met with them and it's already a done deal. And I just wanted to come and tell you. And he is a very big, manly, um, masculine guy. And he just put his hands, he put his head in his in his hands. Oh, and, no. And there was just this extremely awkward pause for about 30 seconds. Oh. And he was like, okay, thanks for telling me. Oh, and my God. That's so sad. That I, made me cry. I, I can't believe I didn't cry. Literally straight away I would have so just been like, brutal. I take it back. You're actually promoted. Here's $10,000. <laughs> I just, I, oh. it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And it wasn't uh, because he'd managed me from when I was 19. We'd been together for five, six years. <laughs> and he had, uh, look, Aww. to be fair, I think I had done a lot for my career more than he thought yeah. he did, to be honest. Um, and then, get this, um, eventually I was going to leave him for live touring as well. Now, this was only two years ago, and I did a show at the Edmore Theatre, which is a big theatre in Sydney, um, 1,500 people. What? Now, one of my friends had started a management agency, and and, and he had already f- poached a few of his his clients especially in a, in a similar vein to me that were sort of internet slash live comedians. Mm. So I think he sensed it. And I was sending a few passive-aggressive emails at the start of the year because I just wasn't happy with certain things he was doing. Uh, um, <clears throat> so I got the feeling he sensed it. And at the end of that more show, it was the, probably to this day the best show I've ever done, 1,600 people. Wow. Frenzied, yeah. really enthusiastic laughing at everything, one of the best nights of my life, to be Aww. honest. Um, I come off stage into the dressing room. He's got this these champagne bottles and he had flowers. I'm knowing his up, he had flowers. And, and then because I'd been doing comedy for 10 years exactly uh, and he said, congratulations on 10 years, can't wait to work with you for 10 more. And Aww. I told my friend Kieran who had opened for me that I'm going to leave him soon. And then he, he gave me a hug and then... <laughs> Kieran's laughing <laughs> and I'm like oh fuck man I don't know what to do oh. and I felt so bad because oh my god in a similar way like if it was a romantic relationship if you're planning to leave someone for a while and then they can sense it and then they're doing all these nice things now look I have elements of that where in in this last in the last one uh I could tell from some of her really angry messages, uh-oh, like, these aren't just her being mad at me. I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit, shit, walk. And I did actually, I bought her some flowers and Aww. 
I did all these gestures and she then did say things like, look, this is manipulative and it's narcissistic and whatever. But And then I got really angry and then it just got really angry and then now she blocked me on everything. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, can, I can see from that point of view where if you can't, you immediately feel bad for someone if they've given you all these gifts and sometimes you feel like you can't be true to what you really want to do but at the same time I don't I think he really meant that when he when he gave me that card and gave me those flowers and I can't I can't stay with him because I feel bad for him either I don't know it was a it was it was such an awkward experience and then I was gonna uh break up with him (laughs) break up but I was gonna tell him that I didn't want to tour with him anymore in person um and we were we were planning to meet for coffee, and then his dad passed away or something, and and I said, oh for fuck, like, I, I mean, I can't, and he's so I can't do it. <laughs> and then and then and then he went to America for a month, and I thought, oh. okay, I just got, I, I I wanted to do it in person, I really did. Yeah. Um, I can't wait a month. I'm yeah. gonna do an email, yeah. and then I did this really long email, and it's probably a bit excessive actually, but yeah, yeah. And then and he just gave me one line. All right, thanks for letting me know. I've seen him since then. It's fine. It's civil, oh, but um, that's so awkward. Oh, so yeah. So, tough. so breaking up with managers is is honestly harder than romantic breakups, and <laughs> I can now see. I I do see both sides. So that's a tough one. What do you think of things like that? If 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 someone's mad at you, uh, or maybe even feels like the relationship could be coming to an end, and then that person is doing all these things to show that they love them. So from their point of view. Uh, they think, no, I, I love this person. I want to show them that. Yeah. Let me get you these flowers. Let me um, do some gestures. Yeah. I Is th- that manipulative? No. Because I no. can kind of see both sides. It's not manipulative. I think that you were in a situation that you were in a lose-lose battle. If you did something nice, she was going to call it manipulative, and if you didn't do anything, she was going to prove her point. But at the end of the day, and it, I'm, I'm not yeah. just talking. Well, yeah. I guess I'm sort yeah, of projecting general. my personal experience okay. there, but well, but without in your general, experience, in I think that it. I don't think that it's toxic at all or manipulative. I think that it's forward to saying this is me demonstrating that I wish to resolve this. Mm-hmm. This is how I am showing this to you that I want to resolve this whatever we're going through kind of thing. Mm. So no, it's not. Fred's listening to this being like this is not what I fucking paid $30 for. Oh, we answered the question. You don't get a full podcast on the question. You get, you get an answer to the question. Yeah, you got you got. For the Neil Jordan one, you, you pay $30 a month, then you get a full podcast. Nice. So for the sex sales questions, you get, you know, a good 15 20 minutes. Uh, I have been coy when I, yeah, talk about the experiences of that relationship. Um, yeah. I guess what I wanted to do, what I did in the end, all right, fine, let's be vulnerable. Yes. I guess we'll talk about just that situation where I did do a big, like she was clearly mad at me. It's something I had done while she was away and a few things I had done and justifiably so like I, I wasn't trying to say oh you shouldn't be mad or anything like yeah. that what happened was i started getting upset in a similar way it sounds like sort of traits that your boyfriend would have where mm-hmm. you know when you when I love someone and i see them upset i get upset yes now i wasn't like bawling my eyes out or i wasn't even crying i was just like i i think i said something like seeing you upset just kills me yeah. I, I just can't even bear it and then she f- said that she felt like 
she wasn't able to just be angry because she went into uh, care yeah. mode. Yeah. Oh, my God. I relate uh, to both of your positions so much. Yeah. So yeah. that happened. Mm. But then she was with – and then I thought, okay, we can talk about this. We can we can resolve it. We can get through it. And then uh, she did, it just happened to be the day she was hanging out with her friends. She started sending me these messages like, I'm still really mad at everything you did. I'm still really upset. And I went into panic mode then. I'm like, fuck, she's going to break up with me. And I was sending yeah. her like um, paragraphs like, I really, you know, I love you. Like, I really want to work through this. I want to, all these things, right? Um, and then she pretty much, then she was saying, you're not even giving me space now. And I'm like, well, <laughs> If you're sending me angry messages, like I'm, I'm, what do you, I'm like, yeah. look, yeah, in theory, I should have said, look, I can see that you're upset. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, I do really care about you and I want to work through this, but I'll give you some time to think. Okay. Yes. I probably should have said that. That would have been the mature thing to do, but I did sort of lose a bit of control of my emotions and was sending, yeah. I wasn't sending anything, I don't think, yeah. really bad, but some pretty yeah. uh, intense emotional stuff. Um, and yeah, then she just called me the next day and she did it over the phone. I just don't like that she did it over the phone, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That was a tricky situation but, because you. But then mm. I did the, like, I was like, okay, I felt like she thought I didn't really love her and I didn't really um, care about her. So I thought, well, let me just show her that I do. And so I did a pretty big gesture where I sort of made this kind of scrapbook um, of, you know, our time together. The thing is, which I now look back on and see and think, yeah, I can see how this would definitely be construed as manipulative. There was something I'd been holding on to for quite a while because she had been away for six weeks. Mm. And I felt, I had spoken That's to her and right. said, I'm upset about this, I'm upset about this. But I, I felt like I hadn't fully articulated it because I was waiting to do it person to person when we had the right opportunity. And so with this big, you know, book I'm, I'm doing, I also put in, I was really basically like this thing you did really, really hurt me and this is how upset I was by it. And then I did all the things that made her upset. And the chronology of it was like, hey, these are all the things, this is what you did that made me upset. And then... I did all these things that clearly made you upset. And I think, you know, I probably deserve to be broken up with fair. So it it came across that I was saying, oh, I did that because you did that. And I can see that now. Um, That wasn't my intent. Yeah. Having said that, I still think there's like a context, a contextual truth where I was really upset and when you're upset with someone and, and then also, yeah, now I regret doing an open relationship and everything, but, you know, you're playing mm. and they're away for a couple mm. of weeks. Yeah. You're kind of playing with fire there. But I take, mm. I do take responsibility for, for the things I did. And I know it's probably frustrating for the listeners where I'm just still being kind of coy about it. I don't like going into details. It's yeah. a lot of just sexual stuff, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah. I am being honest about it. And, yeah, she basically sent me this uh, – really scathing message saying you know this book was narcissistic you're making me feel bad as though it's my fault and then I was like oh fuck you like who's the real narcissist here which I regret but uh then yeah blocked and that that was was, it was a really dramatic ending yeah I know and it it went for weeks yeah yeah, it was so good for like five months not a single fight nothing and then Boom, it just yeah. exploded. Yeah. So um, I'm a lot more comfortable with it now and, and talking about it. But, yeah, damn, for February and March, it was, yeah, there was, there was a tough pretty months brutal. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard because... And I'm seeing someone else now. Yay! It's great. Yeah, Shout out to really you. Really nice so far. She's lovely. Oh, what's her star sign again? Her star sign... Her birthday's August, so I don't know what her star sign would be. What would... Mid-August. Hopefully she's not a Gemini. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> someone... Listen, one of our, um, our regular listeners, he... Uh, you'll know who I'm talking about because we've... We've mentioned before, he messages us both sometimes and we, oh. we like him. And he messaged me the other day and he was like, hey, um, how like seriously should I take like the astrological kind of like compatibility <laughs> seriously thing? seriously at all. Because like, we talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, he was like, is it just fun or is there actually like kind of depth to this? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's all just fun. It's all just fun and games, but stay away from the Geminis. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Everyone says that. It's just, it's fun. I just like doing it. But, but yeah. This is a very serious thing for me. If this person has this zodiac rising in this moon or whatever. Honestly, sometimes, though, like, I am always like, I, I know, I'm always flip flopping between it's just fun. But then things happen where I'm like, all like Aries men always are obsessed with me. Not you, <laughs> but prior. It's always Aries, man. When someone is like harassing me or like going crazy or or like they're very intense, I'm I'm like, I bet he's an Aries man, and I just ask them. It always is. Well, I'm glad I've broken that trend for you there. <laughs> well, so far. <laughs> One day I'll be like, okay, Neil, I'm 47 and I've got three kids. Like I'm ready to finish this podcast, and then you'll harass me for. This. Five more years. No, then I'll make I'll back. I'll make a big rom- gesture, <laughs> yeah, buying you all these things and I'll making you feel that. bad. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> but that was like people, I guess they the, would assume malicious intent of something like that. And mm-hmm. look, I can't argue with someone's interpretation of things like gifts and yeah. um, gestures, but the intent is never. Yeah. Oh, how can I like make someone feel bad so that they yeah. can get back with so I can get back with them? I, I all I can say is. When I've done things like that, uh, the intent is never that. The yeah. conscious, the conscious intent. It's so hard because it's like you you damned if you do and you damned if you don't. Like I have a friend at the moment who's going through things with her boyfriend, and she is. He said to her, "What what can I do for you? Like what do you need from me?" Which I think is a very like mm. um, appropriate and mature way of approaching. A, an issue in a relationship however he didn't phrase it so much like that he probably was saying what do you want from me kind of thing um but she her response is like i'm she's so sick of having to lead their relationship and teaching him every single time how to resolve the relationship she wants to do it him to do it on his own but then he but may then go she's and take, if, yeah. If, okay. But then he goes and does things like he might buy her the gifts, and then she might be like, "Well, that's manipulative." Or maybe he'll take the approach of giving her space, and then she'll be like, "Well, you're just further demonstrating you don't care about me." So it is. I think it is really important oh, to say, yeah, "How do you want to be supported?" Like I think that is a forward and kind of, and I kind of tried to reframe that for her, and in the end, she was like, "Actually, yeah," because she can get him to lead this resolution as she explains, look, I've been really hurt in this and I really want to resolve this and I want to resolve it through a conversation and then leave it the ball in his park to kind of, but giving him at least that idea of how she wants it resolved or how he can communicate to her in a way that's going to work for her 
is going to help him a lot because we can't expect people to communicate to us or resolve things in the way that we want them to be all the time because no one's going to know. Like I'm someone that I'm like, I would love those romantic gestures and things like that. My heart would be melted. I'd be like, of course, whatever, everything's fine. And if you, and I would also be the person that if you had said, okay, clearly you're upset. I'm going to give you space. I would probably be like, okay, that's, that hurts that I'm I'm so upset right now and he's giving me space. But maybe your ex would have been like, thank God, finally he's respecting my boundary and giving me space. Yeah. So you just never to know. To go figure out <laughs> yeah. which, girl, which type of girl she is yeah, yeah. <laughs> or guy. Or exactly. Um, That's why I ask these things. When things are good in a relationship, I always ask like when I've started dating someone, like even though Adrian and I haven't fought, like we've had so many conversations of mm. what does it look like when you're upset? Like, do you want to be left alone? Like when he's sick, he wants to be treated like a baby. Like when I'm sick, good I'm like, don't look at me. Don't yeah. even be in the room with me. I just mm. want to be alone. Like, mm. so we always have those kind of check-ins, like literally fortnightly, we basically check in about it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, I would be very interested to to see a poll or just asking, I guess, the female list. Oh, it doesn't even have to be female, but the listeners of this yeah. podcast in a situation where there's conflict and an argument and, and then maybe your partner is the one in the wrong. Yeah. Or at least that's how it's perceived. Yeah. Do you want them to show that? They care and that they love you, and you'd like them to yes. to sort of make up for that. Good or call. do you want space? Please, but that, but make sure you like phrase know. it in a way like don't be like wants space, but be like wants time to reflect and want your boundaries respected. Yeah. and then the other one to be like showing gestures of love and care. Yeah, do that. I'm so well, curious. In the comments, uh, on the YouTube comments, you can you can let us know about that. I guess from from if it, if the things were reversed. No, I want, I want, I do not want space. If there's a, if yeah. there's an issue and I feel like the other person has caused that issue, it's not like I want them to give me big romantic gestures, but I'd probably be feeling insecure. So yeah. I want them to, to, demonstrate, sh- to demonstrate that yeah. they do love me and that they are, yeah. that they do care. Yeah. Um. But I guess, yeah, if then they're making it feel as though it, Yeah, now that I'm reflecting on it, I guess I put too much in in such a short space of time, and I can see how then I I could have made it seem like it was her fault, even though I don't actually think that. But yeah, I think that was the biggest thing that was taken out of context in your mind. Like, as such, a, you're such like a logical person. You're probably being like, and a lot of girls actually ask when someone fucks up, and I do this too. If someone fucks up, I'm like, what, like. Can you actually tell me what was going on? Like, how did this even happen? Like, what was going through your head? Yeah. And you would kind of outline, like, look, I know that this ABC happened. Um, and here's kind of what was going on for me before and what was going on with us. Like, yeah. I want you to understand it. And she's interpreted it as you're, you're using this as your time to bring up, like, an issue that you had with excuse. me when I'm the one that's hurt. Like, yeah, so I can see. It's kind of, it is I like. I can definitely see, yeah. It's all, all in now. the language, isn't it? I know. It? It's so hard. It was very intense. Like, remember that question we got? Uh, the first question we did where it was the guy in love with his co-worker? Yeah. And he was oh, he was very analytical and he's like, this part of me thinks this. Yes. Imagine yeah. that times 10, basically. <laughs> yeah. It was like that. It was just this really. Yeah. To be fair, I was quite proud of it. I did it in two days. and you know, I think that's very nice. Sweet. But yeah. um, I even said, look, if you hate it, can I at least have it back? Because it means that I didn't, didn't even do that. Did you get but, it yeah. back? No. no. No, I'm sure. Make another, another one. Way. Yeah. Make but, another one. Your new girl would love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, 
no, I just that that towing that line of of uh, showing love versus being manipulative. Obviously, I know I talk about this on like all the last ten podcasts, but mm. um, it's just something that's confusing. Yeah, you mm. will never be able to will never be able to control our own actions to avoid anyone else's kind of interpretation of it. Mm. And I think like what kind of gets me through these kind of situations when someone has had a really really weird reaction to something where I was like, well, that was so good intention. That's interesting. But, you know, this this person can only meet you as far as they've met themselves. So they can only understand things to the level that they currently understand things mm. um, and how they interpret them. We will never fully be able to understand unless you're like a, a psychologist who's worked with them for two years and know literally uh, yeah, the whole absolutely. history yeah. of their life. We're not going to know how someone can react to 100% of all situations. Absolutely. I think that's fair. I guess yeah. what's frustrating is when they uh, assume your intentions. Yeah. When, yeah. you know, I think if you said something like, this has come across as extremely manipulative yeah. and I feel manipulated versus you are manipulative. That that's the worst, yeah. But, yeah, that's life, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm really in favour of open relationships anymore, to be honest. I, I still your... believe with the e the ethos of it, but I wouldn't jump. I wouldn't. What I did with that one was uh, pretty much we were dating for a month, and we had never said we're exclusive. And then I said, "Hey, I've always thought about doing an open relationship," and she was on board with it. Yeah, but we didn't. We you know we didn't really know each other. And I you think... were trial and erroring yeah, this kind of relationship was... throughout it, rather exactly. than having like the very very strict like yeah contract kind of yeah. that a lot of open relationships have yeah i know prior yeah and i did a lot more <laughs> she, which probably made her even more angry when there's like one thing she did that i was upset about which to be fair was like a clear break of the rules but yeah um then i did that a few times but yeah <laughs> i'm also not you know how i was doing um no fap yeah i'm not doing that anymore I'm not watching. Well, I'm try. I have watched porn a few times here mm. and there, but I'm still trying not to, uh, because I just think, look, if you're in a position where you're in an open relationship and that person's away for six weeks and you're kind of mad at them, <laughs> and you're not masturbating, yeah. yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. Let's just say that, <laughs> and you're not watching porn. Fair enough. It's a pretty much yep. Yeah, yeah. I've probably got myself to blame there. Getting um, off is healthy. Yeah, I, porn, I actually agree Excessive now, use I of think. porn, of course, is not. Mm. Some use, whatever. But getting off in its own is fine. I Yeah, the NoFap thing, it gives you a lot of energy uh, as a guy. Oh, wow. it, gives you, it makes you very horny. Uh, but it also can be frustrating and, you know, you're then not maybe thinking very rationally because there were nights where I'd just be – Oh, you know, your typical fuckboy, midnight. And I'm, I'm not. I don't say you up, but like, hey, what do you, what do yeah. you, think? you know? And I'd waste like two hours trying to yeah. get a route. Yeah. When I could have just jacked off, like it, and then, <laughs> it really yeah. would have been so much easier. So true. But yeah, I've changed my. I definitely still agree with the ethos of uh, non-monogamy, but you know I'm not doing it right now. What's and, interesting though about getting off is that another kind of like, I guess trend yeah. that you will love for mm -hmm. being classic white girl crystal vegan type thing mm -hmm. that keeps coming up for me is manifesting during masturbation and how it's like so powerful and there's literal 
people that are like coaches for this <laughs> manifesting what oh just what in general y- your goals yeah <laughs> i want to be a millionaire literally <laughs> no it's not not it's excuse me it's not i want to be it's i am ah. i am a millionaire and then that like orgasmic kind of like i guess you are in a semi-hypnotic state exactly yeah damn oh, yeah try it let us know what you manifest manifest something like um something tangible like something measurable and then see like see what happens something tangible what do you what's an example i want to be more disciplined or something no that's not tangible like a a material okay so something you get like a tiger's eye or something which i think you would really a tiger's eye (laughs) benefit from what is are you a vegan (laughs) It's a crystal. Okay. It's brown. It's not an actual tiger's eye. <laughs> no. That'd be funny if you're like, I'm a vegan, I don't like animal suffering, but I want but to kill witchcraft. a tiger to get this one eye, <laughs> yeah. this endangered species. I don't care. I want that eye. <laughs> it's a crystal for um, people that are stubborn. Oh. Do you think I'm stubborn? I've got st- some stubborn yes. traits, I think. You yeah. think I'm stubborn? Yeah. No, not like Whoa. I'm stubborn. Okay. We're like the same level of stubborn, I think. Right, but, but we in our both respective... can very much be like, okay, fair point, fair point. Yeah. You got there, not I'm right. But um, okay, no, that's fair. You and fair I both stubborn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the crystal that all men are drawn to is a tiger's eye, which is funny. It's like <sighs> okay. so like masculine. It's like how to be vulnerable at communicating and how to reduce stubbornness. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway. All right, well, I'll, I'll look into that. Manifest something like I'm going to see a blue balloon this week and then see what happens. <laughs> okay, anyway. Nah, I'm, when I do my, uh, you know, my... Uh, I'm going to I don't do my, tangible things. I do, you I'm know, things so, about my I'm personality. So disciplined or, and, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Or uh, I don't do success manifestations. I do... Um, things about my character and, you know, I'll be grateful. I want to be more grateful. I want to be happy. I'll enjoy this week. I'll yeah. study really hard. I'll uh, get everything I need to get done. I'm, yeah, know, but I'll work out really hard. Things like that. I don't, I don't. But you're manifesting I wrong. I want a blue balloon. You got to <laughs> say, you got, you can't say like, I will get, no, I know, I'll yes, get really am, fit this am, week. You got to say yeah, I yeah, am. No, I, I do say that. Sorry. For yeah. everyone else. Because otherwise yeah, yeah, yeah. you're manifesting constantly in like a, in a future position. No, like, know, well, yeah, at yeah. some point I will be, that could be 50 years from now. So. Yeah. Sorry. I say like today I will be grateful. Today I will yeah. be uh, positive. Today yeah. I will be uh, optimistic. Things like that. Yeah. I don't do today. I will, you know, find a black cat on this. <laughs> yeah. Neither do I. I was, just, I was just joking, but I do wake up every morning and I will write down whatever pops into my head about what I'm grateful for. Mm. And then I'll do like a little dream analysis Sometimes I pull a little tarot card reading for myself and then do a little meditation, those kind of things. But I think it's really positive. Like it makes you feel good too. And Absolutely. Especially when you do difference. it directly after waking up is like actually the best time to do it because it's when you're in that kind of like sleepy state mm. and you're bordering on like I'm kind of awake, kind of going back to sleep. That's when you can really embed messages within yourself. hundred yeah. percent. Um, It could point of advice for people is do not look at your phone first thing in the morning now again mm. i struggle with this sometimes but yeah uh, i try to just turn it off an hour before i go to bed and then i don't even turn it on for the first on a really good day 
I won't turn it on till lunchtime. Wow, that's amazing. That's But inspiring. I don't always do that. But what you want to do is uh, keep your phone off. And then now I know, and I know I have a lot more free time than the average person. Most people are working at least nine to five, mm. have a lot of responsibilities. But what Jordan and I always say is uh, the three main things you want to try and do every day, some form of reading, some form of exercise, and some form of, whether it's meditation or if you are religious, mm. um, prayer. prayer, something yeah. Spiritual, even though I don't think it's necessarily I love purely that. spiritual, yeah. but something, some sort of mental exercise, basically mental yeah. mental practice. So, even if you're doing 15 minutes of that, you do a five yeah. minute ab workout on YouTube. You do, you read a really and and don't read a Daily Mail article. You know, read. Yeah. No offense to anyone. I got a friend who works for the Daily Mail, Whoopsie. but you know, she's she knows what she does. Uh, it's all clickbait. <laughs> she but, knows who she is. Uh, you know, read read a nice um, article from a good publication. Yeah. Uh, a book. Yeah, and then and then for five minutes, do some meditation. So even if you can do it for fifteen minutes, yes. I don't care how busy you are. I'm sure you have fifteen minutes. I like to also put on like meditation music, or at the moment I'm into like manifestation music, and I don't really know how effective this is. But if it's placebo, good works for me. Where basically it's at like a uh-huh. specific level of uh, sound that um that moves things within your energy i don't know but basically if you just look up manifestation music it comes up so i do like i've been doing manifestation for healing a lot lately since my injury and since sounds like it's working it is there you go and in the mornings i wake up and i like light the candles in the bathroom i have like a shower in the dark candles as well oh yeah damn i do a shower in the dark with just candlelight and meditation music and honestly it's the best thing to wake up to it's the most amazing and then when i work from home like a couple days a week I put meditation music on. I put all my candles on, my incense, and I'm like feeling so zen. I love it. <laughs> Client crisis. Damn. I'm like, it's all good. What sort is, it out. What is one aspect of your personality that doesn't fit in with uh, white girl? Classic white girl. Yeah. Uh, is there some random thing where you know you got I got these crystals and I manifest uh, and I'm I'm a vegan, but I ride dirt bikes or I, I don't used know, to I'd, do. Like a lot of Muay Thai. Does that count? No, even that nowadays uh, is kind of... Well, what if I did it before it was popular? Then, yeah. I did like... Muay Thai is not very... The white girl one would probably be more... I did Taekwondo like, and karate for many years. Did you? When I was like five. <laughs> but five? still, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, fuck, I got to think about it. Oh, someone else actually commented this once. I had pet rats and that is not a white... Yeah, spiritual girl thing. It's not a really a vegan. And Vegans their names were have Brenda and Doris. Pets, would they? Well, yeah. Ve- well, rats, yeah. Because mm. you, did you I have to like... feed them meat? No. Ah. Uh, what? Are, yeah. What's the rats diet? Rats eat of a... anything. anything. Like, what okay. do you think they eat on the streets? Literally well, anything. But but if you've got a pet rat, you'd want to give it. I did. A I gave her a little like fruit and veggies. We okay. had she, anything I ate. See, they if would. If you eat. had shorty, you'd have to then participate yeah. in factory farming. Well. Or it could be, I don't know if you can get organic cat food or whatever, but they eat meat. So there you go. I'm not so white girl, am I? I had pet rats and at the time I had pet rats, I used to be a bass guitarist and do like rock and roll concerts. How's that? By rock and roll concerts, I mean You're like, like that girl like from Maps, the, the, um, what was her name? The rocker girl. Oh, Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you both do rock, I'm like, oh, it's the same. You must be the same That's person. That's it. That is it. <laughs> that is right. 
And I'm moving out of Sydney. So you play the guitar. I used to be really into Jesus. it. But my dad's in a band and he'd constantly pressure me to join his band. So I was like, I got to put put away the bass. But now, okay, this is actually- That's so cool. I've gone white girl. I have a hanging drum now, like a hang drum. Oh my God. <laughs> but Your I had that years white before. White girls are more Indian than Indians. I had it for years. All the yoga and they like come And it wasn't for a spiritual reason. I just thought it was cool. And I was like, I like percussion. I like- Bass beats, so it made sense. And for anyone that doesn't know, it's like a little drum that looks Ugh. like a UFO. Do you wear the yoga pants? I don't. No. I have like a braids in your hair. Sometimes. <laughs> wow. Sometimes. Just moved to Byron already. That, well, I'm I'm one hour up the coast. So every year I take another <laughs> closer to Byron. Step there. Yeah. I wonder how much of. A, I wonder if we have any listeners uh, from Byron. Probably at least one. And will you adopt me into your statistically? Community? Is it really how much? How much is that stereotype true? Because I've heard uh, stories of some people who live near there, and, and yeah, there's you know ten to twenty percent of the population are hippies, but no, there's a the lot of other eighty percent are just pretty. I don't like normal. Byron anymore. I wouldn't live there because of how like it's kind of Byron is like it's Bali not cool now. No, it's just packed. It's crazy. It's too many influences. Yes, so many. I bet you it's very white as There's well. There's lots of like 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds. Like it's very youthful and so busy, whereas it used to be kind of like a little quiet hippie rainforest type town. Probably super white. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. ironic because I bet you they're all, you know, let everyone in and, and yeah. then yet the city, I bet. I'm guessing. I don't know for sure. but Can't confirm. Coming out of Western Sydney. Yeah. Come out to where the mosque is. See how much you really like. I, I work in Western Sydney, That's so does that take do. me yeah. a little bit out? Yeah. I, yeah, there you go. We've figured it out. I'm only ninety eight percent of a cliche. So, yeah, actually, yeah, working in Bankstown. That's not a yeah. very white girl thing to do. Yeah, I used to work in like the North Shore, and I was like, let's let's mix things up. And here I am. Get a bit more halal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bankstown's got more Asians now, though. Yeah, it's like half um, it's, Vietnamese yeah. and half like kind of Arabic. Yeah, it's a bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, this is Burwood, so this is quite Chinese. Are we in Burwood? Well, technically Concord, but. Honestly, the, every single, know, I've been coming here for how long? Every time I drive to your place, it takes me a different way. Like today I went a route that I've never gone my entire life. Every time it's different. Because you're Sinai's, right? Sorry, for, by the way, no, Tim. Sorry for everyone. Nest. Everyone not knows from that. Sydney. St. Ives and Crow's Nest is very different. That's the one criticism Jordan and I get a lot. You talk about Sydney so much. Well, tough <laughs> luck. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. Cro- oh, Crow's Nest. Okay. Yeah. Is that near St. Ives? No, it's next to like, it's between North Sydney and um, St. Leonard's, but it's kind of oh, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. bougie spot yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So you can either come through the city and then go on Parramatta Road or you can go over the um, ride bridge or you can go over the other, the Gladesville Bridge. Yeah. Also the tunnel, which I did today. Yeah, there are a lot of options. <laughs> Damn. Sorry. So anyone wants to know Neil's address. Everyone um, has just, just tuned out me. of this podcast just then. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so did we. What a Sydney conversation. Real estate and traffic. And too many immigrants. 
All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for your question, Freddie. Good luck, Fred. Let us know how Good you luck. go. Good luck, yeah. Uh, stay in touch. Um, we've got another juicy question coming up maybe next week or maybe the week after soon. Uh, if you would like to ask us a question, neilkalhacker.com slash podcasts. Um, and like Fred here, you will uh, help some of the poorest people across the world not be poor. It sounded like you were saying they were like Fred. <laughs> oh, no, like Fred, you are. You'll be helping. He is like helping. Fred. Uh, yeah, the premise of that charity is really. I like it. I like it a lot. It's um, effective altruism, where they find they find out the most effective way to spend that dollar in in alleviating as much suffering as possible. Yeah. So there is an argument to say, well, it's probably not going to people in Australia, but you know, a dollar in, uh, you know. In, an African country would would be able to help someone get a malaria net, mm. whereas you mm. know in in Western countries you'd need a hundred dollars to help someone to the same yeah. degree. So it's um sort of utilitarian charity. Love it. Yeah, love that. That's great. Um, thanks for watching and or listening. Share the podcast. Tell your friends about it if you liked it. If you didn't like it, shut up. <laughs> And if you're in Sydney, I do a weekly show, uh, com. It's been, we've been killing it lately. Uh, it's just getting better and better. I would love to see you there. I'm going to go soon. Hey, you've never gone. When because Thursday nights, my Thursday day is the busiest day of the week for me and I'm always so tired. Well, but what I'm, better way to... Uh, but then I had to get to the city down. and then I've got my car in Bankstown. So I'd have to go home first, drop that. There's no parking in Potts. No, yeah, there's no parking. <laughs> so there, it's so. a big... Commute. It is. But I'll do it for you one, one day. day. All right. Well, we'll let you know when she does. You have to do a little signal that you recognize me. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Enjoy your week. Have a good one. Bye.